Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic, episode number 20. This is your host, Brian Stanford, coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina. And today we have a really special episode for you. We very rarely do guests on the show, but today we have our friend and brother, John Logan Parsons III from the Templar Collegia. We have a really interesting discussion. I think people will really like it. Um, Just a word about the audio. We had some problems at the beginning of the recording with the app and had to switch to a new method of recording audio. So I'm sorry for some aspects of the audio quality, but the content of the interview more than makes up for it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this very interesting conversation with my brother John as we seek the mysteries. I think I think this is uh I think it's working. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Cool. All right, so I'll just get us going. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Welcome everybody to Modern Gnostic. Tonight we have uh something special. We don't do guests a lot on the podcast, but tonight we're lucky to have John Logan Parsons the third from the Templar Collegia with us tonight. So how you doing, John? I am doing great. Doing great. Thanks cool. for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, and so just a little bit about who John is. He's the co-founder of the Templar Collegia. He's also a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Freemason, a Martinist, a Rosicrucian, a writer, and a musician. And... Um, I just want to give a little background, John, on how I how I found you, and uh, then we can kind of get into what we're what we're going to talk about. Does that sound good to you? Awesome. Cool. So um, I recently joined the Templar Collegia after having listened to uh, Brother Timothy Hogan's lectures for years and reading his books, and and finally decided to reach out and try to join the organization and. After I did, I found a podcast with you, John, uh, where Timothy was interviewing you, and it was incredibly interesting to me to hear your story and the parallels in kind of the way you got to the point you're at right now with the esoteric path um, and my own way, and it seemed like, you know, a way of just to be honest, struggle and pain and hardship. And I was thinking that this seems to kind of be um, right in the theme of the spiritual warrior. And I've been interested in Templarism from the aspect of, you know, someone who's kind of involved in the bloody battles of day-to-day life, so to speak, while also maintaining a very strong spiritual center uh, so I just wanted to reach out to you and kind of have a conversation where we explore that and some other things. And so um, maybe for the benefit of my listeners who haven't heard your other podcast, uh, you could just kind of give us a, a synopsis of, of maybe where you are today and what kind of got you there. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a long story. I don't know. Um, I guess um, – I guess, you know, my path, I mean, my path in esotericism kind of started uh, maybe like 11 years ago. 
um, mm-hmm. is when I really started getting involved in things like that. Um, I was uh, homeless at the time, and um, you know, I was mostly sleeping in my car. And, and you know, I mean, before that, I had you know had my struggles with drug use and things of that nature, and just went through a lot of trauma when I was younger. Um, things like losing my father very young when I was a young boy. Um, growing up, uh, very depressed, um, you know, being in a number of really toxic relationships and, uh, my best friend, um, when I was younger had killed himself and it was just not the funnest childhood, you know, (laughs) but I, yeah, but you know, and so I, and I've always been a very emotional person, very in touch with my feelings and very creative. Um, so when things would happen, I would really feel them extremely, uh, you know, I would feel them extremely. Like I just didn't know how to process anything. Um, and I had always, I think I'd always been spiritual. I just didn't understand what that was. And I think, um, you know, so that comes in a little bit later. So I, years go by. Um, and I was struggling with drug use and things like that. And I had lost where I was living and, um, you know, I was living in my car and I had this, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of refer to it as a dream, but I don't know that it was necessarily a dream. It may have just been some sort of awakening or I don't, I, you know, it's still to this day, it's, it's very, it's still a very strange thing um, to talk about. Mm-hmm. But something just something just came to me and sort of woke me up. And um, I uh, had, you know, at that time I had all my belongings in my car. And, uh, you know, I had this, like, box of sort of family heirlooms and little things that I had kept. Um, I didn't really know what was too much about what was in there, but there were just things for my grandfather and my grandfather had passed away. My father had passed away. So I didn't really have too strong of a connection with my dad's side of the family at that point. And, uh, but after I kind of woke up, I was in my car. I was, I decided I needed to get organized and kind of get back on my feet. And, uh, I was going through this box of stuff that I had and I found a like a Masonic membership card with my grandfather's name on it. My grandfather is, has the same name as I do. So it's John Logan Parsons. And I saw that and I was like, what is this? Like, what? I don't remember joining the Masons, you know, like, what is this? Right. right. And I realized that this was my grandfather's. And so that kind of, kind of sort of was like a signpost. Um, so I started down that path. Um, you know, in Freemasonry got involved in that. But at the same time, like all of these weird things were happening to me. Like um, I used to like to go on hikes a lot and uh, I was just, I was just super emotional. Like everything, like it's almost like, it's like somebody just turned up the light. Like I, somebody just, like the colors were brighter. Smells were, were more 
smelly. <laughs> <I'm not a laughs> but uh, my, yeah, my sense of smell was better. Like I, my eyesight was better. Um, I just started having these weird sort of things go on. And I remember going on this hike, this one particular hike, where I walked all the way out. Uh, there's this park in, uh, I think it's Redwood City, California. It's called Edgewood Park. Um, but it has this path you can walk up, and there's this plateau. And I remember walking, hiking up this, to this plateau, and, um, you know, the sun. You know how sometimes the sun will be out and the moon will be out? You can see them both. Yeah. Um, so that that was the case. The sun was out, the moon was out. And it just struck me, like, how beautiful this was and, like, how lucky I was to be just experiencing this life. And it was just weird. Like, all of these really sentimental feelings just started coming to me and um those were things i never really experienced before and it was just a strange happenings and all of these synchronicities started happening and um you know it wasn't until i started really researching into esotericism and mysticism and reading authors like manly palmer hall timothy hogan elephus levi uh you know a, a bunch of different authors but that i realized like hey this is gnosis like i'm waking up like i'm having this knowing right that's so i don't know that's kind of a summarized version of um you know where what got me to where i am you know it's been years since then but that's kind of the beginning of it right (laughs) i don't know if that answers your question it does it does and it it um so as as listeners to my show know i um, also struggled with drug addiction for for many years when I was younger, and um, I was never homeless for more than a few nights at a time. But I I spent a number of years in prison, and um, and, and and I I see the similarities in our path. And I'm uh, I kind of want to ask you a couple of questions about that story if you're open to talking about it. Um, first of all, I'm I'm just curious on a personal level. What drugs were you struggling with? Well, <laughs> uh, I guess at that time, um, well, I had relapsed twice. So when I was young, when I was really young, it started out with a lot of weed and then uh, mm-hmm. gradually led to crank, methamphetamines, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Right, and then right. um, I, I went to a, a rehab center when I was very young. I ended up in rehab. By the time I was 15, it was like a therapeutic community, kind of a lockdown uh, place. I spent about two years there um, getting things together. And then uh, I had a lot of clean time after that years, like something like 12 years or something. And um, I had gotten into a really, really bad relationship and got lost myself in it and um, just all of those struggles came back and it was, and, and I ended up relapsing and that's what led to the homelessness. But the thing is, is that like, I thought I was in recovery. Like I thought, um, you know, I had it all figured out and it's really weird because all, I, I was so angry, you know, at that time I was like, man, I've been clean for like 12 years. I've been doing everything everybody's told me to do right. and I'm still miserable. Right. You know? And it's because yeah. that, because my the spiritual aspect of it wasn't there. It was just right. like, so, you know, that comes in later. But, yeah, and then, so when I relapsed um, the second time, it was, it was more 
uh, of a crack cocaine sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Wow. So hard, hard drugs. The same with me. Mine was was heroin, and uh, you know cocaine as well. And I, I um, when I was in prison, I took some college courses towards the end of my time. And there was a really uh, influential anthropology professor that I had who uh, explained to me that basically, you know, people like you and I, and the men that she was addressing in that class had had fallen ill, or we were taking the classic shamanic journey right we had fallen ill with the diseases of our culture so like drug addiction depression anger uh, crime violence all all the 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 kind of dark undercurrents of our society and we've fallen ill from those things and then we're you know traversing the underworld which i think of in your story as the time of your homelessness um and it also makes me think of the wounded you know the the wounded king in the Arthurian legends, um, right. and I I think there's something, and I don't quite know what it is. It is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, uh, but I I think there is something happening right now in the culture where uh, people like us who have had these um, experiences that quite honestly, you know, the vast majority of people who end up suffering from them never recover. Um, you know, they, they stay dead in the underworld. They don't resurrect. And I think that you're right that the spiritual piece is the, the key piece to the, to the resurrection part. Like it's not just, oh, you know, I'm, I, I struggled to stay clean and I kind of, you know, grit my teeth and white knuckled it for, you know, forever. And now I'm fixed and it. That doesn't really work because then as in your case, something comes along and, and knocks that down uh, because it's not really standing on anything deep and solid. Um, and so when you found the Masonic card, how quickly after that did you, did you show up at a lodge? Um, pretty quickly. I, I just kind of researched it, um, called some family members and Ask you know, hey, what what is this? Like, was Grandpa a part of this? I had no idea what Freemasonry was. I had no idea at all. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, and apparently, yeah, like it was a big deal in my family on my dad's side, going all the way back to like the 1700s and before. It's just that information never got to me because, like I said, my grandfather had passed away. Right. My dad had passed away, and my dad wasn't wasn't uh, a Freemason. He wasn't really involved in any of that stuff. So I, I just, it just kind of got lost, you know. Yeah, um, that's so <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah, the weird. same thing happened in my family. The grandfathers and great grandfathers were involved in Masonry, but then that kind of generation of my father uh, kind of dropped it. So I never really heard about it. And I recently became a Mason, and and uh, uh, I'm actually supposed to be taking my third degree in January, and one of the things that brought me to Masonry was wanting to try to pick up this uh, tradition of the men in my family. Uh, I see Masonry as a, you know, a, almost like the quintessential Western spiritual tradition in a very broad sense, and and was wanting to plug in plug into that. And so I'm curious to hear. What role do you feel like masonry played in your resurrection from the dead? Well, <laughs> quite a big one. Um, I would, I mean, I always, I like to 
you know the saying, like, people find God in the darkest places? Yeah. That's kind of how it is, you know what I mean? That kind of sort of summarizes, like, all of that, you know, that usually most people, that's when they have an experience is when they're at their, when they've hit rock bottom, you know what I mean? When they don't have anywhere else to turn. And I always think of it as, like, God, the creator, deity, whatever, the grand architect, however you want to describe it, is constantly asking you all the time, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And we spend most of the time ignoring it or saying, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. And you come up with all these reasons why you're not ready and all these different, you know. And then uh, one day you're just, yeah, I'm ready. You know, and then and then it just, it all falls into place. And for me, that experience was that, that falling into place. And what the role Freemasonry played was uh, providing sort of a, a safe place to go um, with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every, not every, you know, a minority of the Masons in my lodge, at least were, were esoteric, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. They were more, more, it's more about morality, being a good person, um, you know, things like that. But what I think is interesting is that in order to progress along the path, in order to uh, move forward um, as an initiate, um, you need that foundation. Like you need to have morality. You need to be doing right. it for the right reasons. Like, right. You're never going to be a co-creator with God. You're never going to manifest the things that you should be manifesting if you're doing it for uh, selfish reasons or, you know, reasons that aren't in, in alignment with what's best. So the first step is getting that education, like relearning how to be, you know, a moral person and do things for the right reasons and honesty and, you know, and be just being a good person, you know, and, uh, Masonry kind of, to me, like on the surface, is sort of that first step for people. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, once you um, have kind of progressed through the degrees and stuff like that, and hopefully you would be learning at the same time, you would be studying. I was, like, extremely thirsty for knowledge because I wanted to understand these things. I was totally drawn to them. So, I mean, I was reading like a thousand books a year, you know, like just trying to like <laughs> right. understand what's going on. And, uh, and what happens is the more education you give yourself, the more you learn, the more you'll see of, you know, what's hidden within those rituals and degrees. Like you'll start to right. see these different layers of symbolism. You know, there's tons of symbolism in those degrees, you know, alchemy, hermeticism, Kabbalah, Gnosticism, you know, I mean, there's just so much there, and uh, yeah, yeah, and so Freemasonry to me is like kind of like it's like you know, it's like the beginning of the journey, but it's also it's like a grounding thing too, because there's a lot of people out there that are you know uh, spiritual, I guess, or whatever, that tend to just kind of get untethered. You know what I mean? They're not, they're very like just out there, man. Like, you know, and uh, Freemasonry has a a great way of teaching you that it's important to have balance. It's important to, it's okay to, 
you know, explore these things, but make sure you can find your way back, right? You want to have one foot in the ocean and one foot on dry land at all times, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I've I've been having a similar experience, and I came to Freemasonry after, you know, most of my life studying esoteric and spiritual stuff, and so I, I'm, you know, finding the symbol system very rich, but one of the things that I, I do recognize and that you're saying is I feel like for most of my spiritual life, I, you know, like most people, I wanted to dive straight into the deep end and didn't want to hear stuff about, you know, what the beginning stages of anything were. I just wanted to get straight to the treasure and straight to the goodies and um, right. was involved in different occult groups over the years. And, and things like morality were never stressed. And I mean, I've been involved in, in Buddhism for some 25 years and they definitely teach morality um, in the beginning stages of Buddhism. But if you're, if you're shooting for the deep, you know, super esoteric Tantra stuff, I, you know, I think they just kind of would assume in a traditional society that you would have gotten that. But, you know, as someone who's kind of like a degenerate drug addict and thief, you can sit around reading Chogyam Trungpa books all day long or Crowley or, you know, people like that who talk about transcending morals which is probably the last thing that someone like me needed to hear. And it's been incredibly grounding uh, to come to the lodge now and have this exactly thing that you're, that you're talking about. Like, even though I consider myself now a moral person and have been a reformed and moral person for many, many years, but um, I see now these teachings on morality as being really incredibly deep esoteric teachings and, and, you know, just the kind of the way that you are with your brothers and with your, with your fellow man and people outside the lodge. And like, you can have all these lofty spiritual experiences and ideas and read all these great books. But, you know, if you're a jerk to your wife and not a reliable coworker and a liar and things like that, it really doesn't mean anything, you know? Right. Uh, exactly. And I think a lot of people on the spiritual path, um, particularly people who have kind of a hardcore bent to them um, are attracted to things like Crowley and Trungpa and people like that who 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 talk about transcending morality um, and have forgotten the fact that there's you know there's a very deep uh, a deep meaning to these very simple I think of it oftentimes like grandmother wisdom like stuff that you heard yeah. when you were a little boy. Um, that as I get older, I'm just realizing how profound it is and really how hard it is to, to try to consistently walk an upright path. Um, right. You know, and it's not like beginner's shallow end stuff. It might even be some of the deepest of the deep, uh, of the deep stuff. Um, yeah. And did you discover uh, Templarism through masonry? I did. Um, I definitely did. I want to touch on a couple of things you were talking about first, though, if that's okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I always find that the truth is very simple. And when you're on a path, like a spiritual path, initiatic path, I feel like there's all of these authors and there's all of these teachers that make things so difficult. You know what I mean? They like try to try to make it so complicated, um, and it's really not, you know. And it's if somebody's just 
seems to be making things difficult just to be difficult or describing things in language that is, you know, very hard to understand. It's usually the wrong path. Like you're usually going down the wrong path. Like these truths should hit you like right in the gut. Like as soon as you hear them, Mm. um, you know, wisdom is wisdom. It's not complicated, you know? So I always, always think about that. You know, there's, I'm not putting down anybody's path or anybody's tradition, but I feel like authors like Alistair Crowley tend to kind of like just make up a bunch of mumbo jumbo and a bunch of numbers and all of this other stuff that really doesn't matter. I mean, none of that really matters. Mm-hmm. If you really think mm-hmm. about it, right? it really right. doesn't. It's, right. To me, it's just a big facade distraction to kind of make, try to make people feel less than, right? Like if you don't understand mm-hmm. this, then you're not spiritual, right? Like, that's right. the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So that's one thing I wanted to kind of touch on um, that when you were speaking that made me think of that. Another thing is uh, there's like, I think it's Manly Palmer Hall. And this, I'm going to touch on what you were talking about, about people kind of, you know, going on this journey just to kind of get some sort of power or they're right. going to kind of bypass the whole process and just get to the end, right? Um, Manly Palmer Hall talks about like religion or spiritual traditions. Uh, he uses the metaphor of, of like a a gate, like this gigantic gate. Like religion is like this just huge golden gate with all of this, you know, all these ornaments on it and statues and cherubs and jewels, and it's this huge, beautiful gate, right? Right. And people, most people get stuck staring at the gate and they forget to walk through it. <laughs> you know mm. what I'm <laughs> um, and the scary, and the thing is, is that most people that go down these paths that join these traditions, they, they basically kind of, uh, they kind of get scared away because what happens is when you walk through that gate, it isn't some magic thing that happens i mean in a way it is but it really isn't this huge magical transformation what it is is that you're back by your you're with yourself Mm -hmm. when you walk through that gate you're you're with your that's you see yourself you're just with yourself Mm -hmm. because that's where god is you know Mm -hmm. and uh that can be very frightening to people and i always reference the movie uh the never-ending story you know when the tray you the last challenge he has to do is when he's walking through the snow and he comes to across a mirror right right that's the scariest thing for people is that mirror right yeah so yeah i just all of that was going through my head while you were talking man i wanted to kind of yeah i i I like that a lot and you you know i notice it a lot um in the kind of modern occult scene there's definitely a class of you know, esoteric authors and thinkers who do exactly what you're saying. They they write very expensive, very convoluted and complicated books that use, you know, um, kind of a, a lot of highfalutin words to not say very much uh, right. and, you know, kind of create this air of mystique and, and superiority. And I, I remember one of the things when I heard your podcast that I thought, oh, I've got to reach out to this guy is you were talking about the time that you spent basically like a year of your life um, driving around 
all the time listening to Manly P. Hall lectures. Yeah, and definitely. I I had that exact experience like over the last two years I where where I work, I'm able to listen to podcasts and lectures a lot while I'm working. And I I had I'd always kind of known who Manly P. Hall was, but I had always kind of you know, I was definitely one of these kind of snooty, very dark, serious occultists and I was like, oh Manly P. Hall, that's like you know, Barnes and Noble spirituality or something. I'm I'm not going to waste my time with that. And then I discovered his lectures on YouTube. There's just for people who don't know, you should go on YouTube and 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 search Manly P. Hall. And there's there's I mean I can't imagine how many hours of lectures there are on there. And um, and it's really amazing because he's explaining very deep stuff in just the most colloquial, easy to understand practical to your life like you listen to him talk and he just sounds like a salt of the earth guy you know and um and i had that same experience of like every day i would download like two manly p hall lectures and you know be listening to him while i while i worked and i've recently been going back and listening to his lectures on esoteric christianity and saint paul at the altar of the unknown god and and um i mean he's just such a treasure and it's it's uh uh it's something i always lament is like you know, that, that people know Aleister Crowley more than they know Manly P. Hall and Dion Fortune, because I think like those, those, right. those type of people um, are doing what you're saying. They're like providing something. It's another thing that I've thought. And I think about like the path of, a, of the Templar um, is, is, you know, doing this stuff for the world. Like I want my spirituality to be of benefit not right. just to me, but to my community and to my coworkers and to, you know, customers. And, and um, I want it to be who I am in the world. I, I, I want it to be something that makes the world a better place. Um, right. And I feel like, I feel like Manly P. Hall is such an example of that, of like teaching things in a way that is accessible to people and readable right. to people and, you know, isn't some hidden uh, secret knowledge. And, and it also occurred, you know, I recently got the Templar um, Collegia book, and I'm going to plug the Templar Collegia a lot when we talk tonight, but it was really interesting when I got it. Like, the first section of the book is all about the uh, the code of, of a Templar, which is, is basically, like, how to be a good person, you know? Right. Um, how, how to be a good person in your relationships, how to be a good person in your family, how to be, uh, you know, an upstanding citizen and a, and a, and a good person, um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I love that you're a, a Manly T. Hall fan. He's, he's a well, treasure. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I was saying, like, wisdom is simple. It's not difficult. And, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of, you know, the, the path of a true initiate, it's, it's, it's no longer about you. Right. It's no longer, you get to this point where, like, it isn't about you anymore. It's about giving that away. It's about giving that knowledge away. There's a, there's this uh, saying I really like. It's uh, you can't keep it unless you give it away. Mm. And it's to me that that sums up what it means to to be on this path. Is you know it's no longer about you. You're doing things that are benefiting humanity. Uh, you're doing things that are benefiting culture. Um, you know, and you're not you're not necess- you're not necessarily doing it as an ego thing. Like oh I'm gonna do this stuff to be the super important person. You know, most of the time as an initiate, you do things in secret. Right. I mean, 
you know, that's kind of the whole point, right? It's like, uh, you know, like Sir Francis Bacon, right? Like, you know, I mean, that guy was like, he, he basically like single-handedly, well, he came up with the scientific method, right? Like he, him and some other gentlemen that were Freemasons and Rosicrucians, you know, wrote the Shakespeare plays. Right. You know, and, and these guys did all this stuff without, literally without signing their name to it, right? Because it's not right. about them. Right. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that we're going into Christmas time right now is interesting that we're talking about this because the whole idea of like the Santa Claus myth, you know, it's what it's really about is being a secret giver, right? Uh. Like you're giving something without expecting something. And I think our culture has kind of right. twisted that, but the, the, whole, the, the initial idea of it is being this, secret giver you know you're giving without expecting in return and you're, you're doing it in a selfless way mm-hmm. and i also find it interesting that like santa claus like his colors are like alchemical like black red and white you know right, I mean? right, like, right 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 but anyway so <laughs> yeah but i mean you totally man i totally totally agree with you manly palmer hall is awesome totally awesome yeah it's definitely definitely and it's great that he recorded all those talks that he would give. Um, I find Stefan Heller to be uh, a, like a, a continuation of that same thing. And then interestingly, he typically gives talks in the same place where Manly P. Hall did and records them all. And, you know, once you kind of attune your ear to his Hungarian accent is <laughs> teaching very amazing things at a way yeah. that people can understand and, and make use of in their life, which, um, which is really important. So, um, so you said you discovered the Templar myths and traditions via Freemasonry. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Every time you say something, I'm like, I want to go on this like rant about it. Like you mentioned, Ste- Stephen Heller. Go like, rant he, on it. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. he's amazing. We we have actually a really close relationship with him within uh, the Templar collegia and the order of the temple of secret initiates like we uh have a real close relationship with him um and the gnostic ecclesia gnostica mm-hmm. um we also are very involved and supportive of rosamond miller's gnostic oh, yeah. sanctuary in, in redwood yeah. city and also bray weaver's uh the johannite tradition that he is perpetuating here in Denver. So we're very much involved with all of those people and they totally, totally need support. And I totally love all them. So I just wanted you to make yeah. stuff and stuff. Bishop Rosamond, I, I, I've never met her, but I've communicated with her uh, quite a bit. And we have, uh, I'm a priest and we have a very small Gnostic congregation here. And Bishop Rosamond has been so giving in her instruction to me, um, helping me with materials, helping me with ideas, um, just being a, a mentor, spiritual mentor and guide for me. Um, she's just, uh, it's strange to have never met someone in the flesh. And if I start talking about her, I, I feel like my voice starts choking up a little bit. Like (laughs) she's, she's a powerful person. And, and, um, I feel the same way with the Ecclesia Gnostica. We, you know, we, we, our 
Gnostic tradition here is in the same French Gnostic lines that they are. And I've never had the pleasure of meeting any any of the brothers in the Apostolic Jonahite Church, but I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. And and um, we're about to start in our local community here and with um, people online. So listeners, if you're interested in doing this, I'll be posting about it. But we're going to do a novena with their uh, Jonahite Rosary of the Logos um, starting this weekend. So they're, all of those places are doing doing really uh, just amazing work. And um, I think, you know, making, uh, you know, I was tentatively raised as a Christian, but it never made sense to me the way it was taught to me as a child. And I, I definitely rebelled against it. And then kind of the culmination of my Buddhist path, path was a recognition of the Christ and, and my soul. And so I've returned to Christianity, but from an esoteric and Gnostic bent, and I think that um, that it's something that's becoming really relevant in the world, and that the the work that they're doing is um, is just really important. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as the Templar stuff goes, um, uh, did you want to you want to touch on some of that now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Cool. I, uh, you know, when I was a, a Freemason and stuff like that, and I joined the Rosicrucian Order as well, and some other uh, other orders and things. Um, now, every time I would read their literature or kind of sort of do my own unraveling, like follow that thread and see what where does this all go back to. It just, the, the Knights Templar kept popping up over and over again. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. Like, who are these Knights, you know? And, and I, I mean, you hear, like, little conspiracies here and there. and You know, but the more I read, the more I realized, like, hey, these this, this tradition about the Knights Templar is actually really important you know like they're like the foundation of the entire western esoteric tradition um like we wouldn't have any of this without what they had done um and so i kind of became more curious about that and um you know when you're involved in freemasonry and rosicrucianism and stuff like that um a lot of times you know people that are really in it for the esoteric or the mysteries um, they'll tend to start lecturing. They'll kind of push their lodge to to be more uh, involved in education and things like that. And so, right. when you're when you're lecturing, when you're you know writing papers, you're doing things like that. You're going to catch the attention of other people that are like-minded. Um, it's kind of like putting up a flag, like saying, "Hey, like I'm interested in the mysteries. Like, are you? You know?" Right, right. Uh, so I started meeting people and kind of. Um, getting involved in some other things. And I came across um, a uh, Templar-based tradition, um, esoteric tradition. And, uh, you know, at that time, it was was, uh, run by a gentleman named Timothy Hogan. And, you know, it was... Just listening to him, he's another one that's like very much like Manly Palmer Hall. When when he's talking about these very deep, profound things, it's very tangible. You know, it's very easy to understand. Um, 
And I just felt really like drawn to, to like the stuff he was, was saying and teaching. And um, so I went through like a three year sort of, I guess it's like a study program or whatever. Um, and got involved with some of the deeper Templar stuff um, and then got knighted into certain things. And um, that's when I discovered Martinism as well. Mm-hmm. Um, started studying those kinds of things. And um, along with all of the Templar stuff, I started really getting heavy into uh, alchemy and, you know, more so uh, psychological alchemy. Right. I, I, I have experience with the lab stuff and I know all about it. And, you know, I got to, I get to learn from, you know, one of the greatest living alchemists. Timothy Hogan, you know, like, right, so, right. but for me, the psychological aspect of that was really super interesting. So I just, you know, read a bunch of Carl Jung and things yeah. like that. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got introduced to the Templar side of things. I don't know, does that kind of answer it? Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, I, um, I feel like when I was a, a little kid, the first time I saw like a Shaolin Kung Fu movie, I thought, you know, that's what I want to be. I want to be like this badass monk. And that kind of set me on the course of my life of like meditation and martial arts. And uh, when I came back to the Western esoteric tradition and I had heard about the Templars, but I'd never really looked at it. And, um, and I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. There's this, there's this um, history and mythology of, you know, kind of like the West's version of the Shaolin monks, kind of like these warrior monks that were, um, you know, seeking some secret thing in the Holy Land. And uh, when I got ordained, I was also knighted, but I was never given much information about it. It was kind of like it just happened. It was just something that happened along with my ordination. And uh, but over the last few years, have been studying it a lot and reading Timothy's books and listening to his videos and reading a bunch of just reading everything I can and just, um, and trying to tap into the stream, uh, of the Templars because I, I agree with you. It's kind of like they, they, they seem to have seeded virtually everything that we, that we engage in spiritually now, um, whether actually historically or mythologically. And sometimes I think the mythological side is maybe even more important than the historical side. It's like truer than true. It's not dependent on material facts. It transcends that it's, it's archetype and, and, and legend that's very, very old. Um, and so I, I'm always trying to think how to, you know, what does it mean to be a Templar, to be a, a, a spiritual knight. Like, what does that mean in 2020 when we're not, you know, we're not going on the crusades, we're not living in King Solomon's temple, you know, digging for treasure, at least not historically. We probably are metaphorically. Uh, but what does it mean to you? And what, what, from the perspective of the higher orders in the Templar Collegia, what can you say about what it means to be a Templar uh, in the modern era? Well, a Templar to me is, it's like a spiritual warrior, right? But it's not 
like it used to be, you know, like where you would like be killing infidels and stuff like that. Right, um, right. But what it is is you're 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 actively engaging with the world, right? You're going out every single day and you're being that positive influence. You're fighting for what's right uh, within yourself, which is probably more difficult, and within your culture. Mm. Um, you know, so there's that that saying it's easy to be spiritual in a temple, right? Right. It's easy to be to to be spiritual in a church or a synagogue or a mosque. It's difficult when you're out in the world. You know what I mean? And that's that's when you're really gonna grow. That's the challenge. And you're never gonna grow spiritually unless you learn to engage those things. And because that's you know, you need some sort of some sort of opponent, right? To to grow, like to learn. Mm-hmm. And so to me, being a, a Templar now is about that. It's about, you know, putting up a fight, like a good fight, but, you know, engaging with the work, not just passively, you know. You know, when you go to church, um, you know, you're, you're a passive. You're passive. You're a passive listener, which is a part of it. And that's a part of it. You have to listen. And there's right. a time and a place for it, but that's not the end all be all. Like that's just a piece of the total process. You know what I mean? Right. There's, there's a time and a place and that's, that can't be the end of your spirituality. Like your spirituality should like infiltrate like almost every part of your life because there's lessons to be learned everywhere at work, mm-hmm. with your family, whatever it is, you know? And so, being a Templar to me is like not, you know, is not being afraid of that and, and actively engaging with that. You know, it's like you're becoming, you're becoming an, an alchemist, right, in the world. Like you're, uh, you're actively um, engaging in your own evolution, right? You're accelerating that. You're, you're actively, consciously accelerating your own evolution and in turn – you're you're becoming a light for those around you. Mm. Yeah, it's when I started uh, trying to plug into that tradition myself. One of the things I began doing um, in my morning practice every morning was before I would finish after I had finished my prayers and meditation, but before I, you know, started moving on to the next thing, I would kind of kneel down in front of my altar and just pledge myself to God. Like here I am. I'm a knight in your service, and I dedicate this day to thee. You know, it's what what I say every day. And then, like you're saying, like it's it's in my mind, it's like on one hand you're a monk, which to me means that your 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 main thing in life is spiritual practice. Um, but you're this warrior monk, so you're you're not in the monastery. You're completely in the world, and so then everything becomes your spiritual practice. So your job and how you are with your neighbors and how you are with your partner. And I think the night aspect of that has this unflinching side, like you're, you're pledged to something bigger than yourself. Like you can't quit like a, a night, a night couldn't just decide one day, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not doing this anymore. It's kind of like who you are and you're in service to something bigger than yourself. 
Um, right. And so I was interested because I, I would hear, you know, for years I've listened to, to Timothy uh, Hogan lecture about this stuff. And then, like I said, I finally decided, well, you know, I, I've been looking for this for a while and I, 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 I am a knight and I, I attempt to walk my life in that way, but let me try to find um, some other people who are kind of actively doing this. Cause like I said, I kind of got knighted and then that was the end. Like there was, <laughs> you know, there was no instruction, no talking yeah. about anything really, not, not uh, a whole bunch of examples of people living it. Um, uh, and then I started noticing over the last few years, I would notice uh, Bishop Rosamond or Bishop Heller, you know, having a, a celebrating the, the martyrdom of the Templars and um, noticing in prayers, prayers, you know, uh, prayers to the Templars, m- memory of the Templars and commemorations of the saints and Jacques de Molay. So I started including those things in my practice and then finally decided to reach out to the to the Templar Collegia. So I'm interested to what degree you can share with us here, like um, how how does that path unfold for someone? Like if someone someone's listening to the podcast, I know of some of my listeners who will be having these exact thoughts that like, okay, yes, this is how I'm trying to live. I'm trying to live right now as a spiritual warrior, and I want some I want some instruction or some structure or some brotherhood and sisterhood around this path. Um, is the Templar Collegia a place for that? And, and, um, and maybe you could explain to people how that process unfolds for someone who gets involved. Yeah, totally. Um, so the Templar Collegia is it's a vehicle um, – so what's behind it is the Order of the Temple of Secret Initiates, which is one of the Templar lineages um, that goes back to Fabre Palaprat, mm-hmm. um, and from him to Raymond Bernard. Um, and Timothy Hogan is the current Grand Master. And, you know, what happened was I became very close friends with Tim over the last few years. Um, he's been a teacher to me. And, uh, you know, we kind of felt that there were some existing Templar-based um, schools, uh, esoteric schools, um, that had kind of strayed from, you know, from the initial goal. You know, I, mm-hmm. I felt we kind of felt that they weren't really perpetuating <clears throat> the things they should be um, and how they should be. And uh, so we decided to kind of create a new vehicle to reinvigorate these mysteries, um, bring back, um, you know, this, this esoteric process and how it should be done. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we co-founded the Templar Collegia, and we you know we basically looked at all these different traditions and, and said you know like how can we make this better like how can we learn from the mistakes of some of these other orders and and really cut out the fat and really make this something very special mm-hmm. um, and so far. It's been amazing. Uh, the people that have been joining have been absolutely amazing. 
um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I, I'm so happy to be able to be a part of something like this and help create something like this. And hopefully it will perpetuate, you know, for future generations. Um, but essentially, you know, it's open to, you know, if you're interested in this path, um, it's open to initiates, mystics, uh, anybody really who's, who's, you know, feels that call. Um, a lot of the people that join are already Freemasons or Rosicrucians or uh, Martinists, uh, Sippies. Uh, you know, we have, you know, <laughs> from all walks of spiritual life, uh, people right. are, are members, um, all religious backgrounds. Um, we, we really are very um, diligent about studying all the different world traditions, all the different initiatic traditions, all the different religions. And instead of looking for differences, we're, we're looking for similarities. You know, we're mm-hmm. looking to put these pieces together. Right. Um, you know, it's a tradition that's open to men and women. Right. Um, uh, and I guess, you know, if, if it was something that someone was, you know, interested in, the process would be you would uh, you'd go to, you could, you could send an email to uh, templarcollegia at gmail.com and uh, just, Say, hey, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, why you'd like to join. And, uh, you know, you're, you're usually you're given an application um, and then you're kind of vetted. And if uh, we feel like you're a good fit, you know, we'll, we'll set you up. So it's not a difficult process. Um, we are, you know, we're, we're pretty like, we want to make sure we're bringing in the best people possible, people that are trustworthy, people that are, really in it for the right reasons. Right. Um, you know, but it's so far, everybody that's involved has been really, really great. And we have a presence all over the world. Um, and we're growing every day. And, you know, there's collegiate groups all over the country. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to live near one and you're a member, you know, you're welcome to come and study and, and, they have, you know, study groups and things like that and ritual and, um, you know, so a lot of the learning, um, that's a multifaceted thing. There's a lot of orders that are strictly just like, you know, learning uh, through like monographs or through emails or through a monthly right. thing or blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I was very much like, hey, like people – shouldn't kind of be like told how they should learn right like you know the way i learn is going to be different from someone else so we're just going to give you you know the curriculum there's two books of curriculum um and you know you you know you're you you're given that curriculum and and you're you know how you study it at whatever pace is comfortable for you you know right um, right we encourage people to to take their time and, and really engage with the work and stuff. And, um, you know, there's, there's limits to that. Like we're not just going to, somebody's just going to read through the material and then they're ready. Like, you know, we understand that doesn't work like that, but 
you know, we just want people to have the freedom to learn how they learn, you know? Right. Um, right. And so there's the, that, that side of the order, but then there's also, we, within the Templar Collegia, like I said, it's, it's a vehicle for some of these other more secret traditions. Um, we perpetuate a, uh, Martinist, uh, lineage called order Martinist of the temple. Um, so we do have that um, opportunity for members that want to be involved in that. And, um, you know, in order to be initiated or inducted into the order of the temple of secret initiates, which is the Templar lineage, you would have to go through um, all the Martinist degrees and things like that. Um, so we have it all set up, all that stuff's all in one place. Um, and those opportunities are, are there for the people that really want to pursue them. Um, so, you know, that we really wanted to make sure there was the educational side, but also the initiatic side, you know, because right. I feel like you can't have one without the other. A lot of orders just they they'll send you monographs. Right. Right. And like, right. what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Here, go self-initiate yourself. Like, okay, that's great, but, you know. Right. Um, and as we grow, there'll be more opportunity for members that live wherever to have the initiatic experience as well. You know, um, we also have, you know, our, our the way we do things is based on esoteric rituals and knighthood rituals. So they're kind of tied together. So you would, you would, start off as a page and then you would be a squire and then a knight. So there's these three initiations um, involved and there's, you know, the Martinist stuff and all kinds of other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating, man. The, um, the, uh, the parallels with my own path just continue. I'm also a Martinist with the um, order of Martinese souverains and, Martinism is such a beautiful um, tradition that I feel like, you know, I've been studying the occult for at least 30 years, and I I, I feel like there's this whole side. I, I feel most people in America particularly know about the English occult revival and the Golden Dawn and the AA and, and the different strains that, that were there. And it's just been fascinating to learn about the French occult revival and the revival of the Gnostic church and the lines of Martinism that seem to have direct connection to uh, Templar lineages that, su that survived the suppression um, and that are um, both, uh, how would you say this? They're like Christian and universal at the same time. Like it's it's um, my experience of Martinism is it's definitely using a, a Christian mythos and and symbol set, but also very much like you're talking about like finding the similarities with other traditions, which I see as kind of part of the Templar myth. Um, the Templars were there with the Islamic mystics and the Druze and, and other people like that. So it, it makes sense that modern modern Templarism would contain this. But Martinism is such a, um, in my experience, it's such a, it's such an alive tradition. It's like a, it's like a, there's an egregore with Martinism 
I, I keep trying to find a better way to explain this because it sounds corny when I hear myself say it, but I, I can't come up with anything better, is that the spirit of Martinism seems like it wants to play, like it wants to be in, active in the world, like it, it, it's, it's a current that is very alive uh, when you tap into it. And um, um, it's interesting to see these things kind of having a, a revival and um, um, and to see people to see people working it in the modern world. I'm just so inspired. And um, like I told the listeners, I, I sent an application to the Templar Collegia and got the first curriculum book, and and it's beautiful and and packed full of stuff. And I, I also really like the idea of kind of you can't tell people how to learn. Um, and that's what I do when I work with people is just kind of you got to follow your nose. You know, you have to go yeah. where you feel inspired and where the spirit's calling you. And, and, um, you know, it doesn't work for everyone to have a very strict, um, you know, curriculum of, of how you have to do things. Uh, I like the idea of like, here's the curriculum, dive in, you know, explore, right, like, yeah. go, go, go where your interests are and follow those things. And so, um, I'm excited to be doing it, and I would definitely recommend uh, people who are listening to the show who are turned on by this stuff and who think it's interesting to, you know, um, and I would say, and if I'm wrong, please please stop me, but um, being involved in other uh, other groups does not stop you from writing to the Templar Collegia. Um, and uh, I think... John said a few times tonight that there's people involved that are involved in all kinds of things. So it's a very, a very eclectic group and, and well worth your time if you feel an interest and call to this to write to uh, templarcollegia at gmail.com and, and send, them a, send them a letter and fill out an application and, and see where it goes. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about as we're buttoning up on an hour is art and music. Uh, so I know that you're a musician and... I know for me, I've always felt that I have no, that I'm not an artistic person at all. I don't feel like I draw very good. I'm not particularly good at music. And I, I feel like kind of talking and podcasting is somewhat of my art form and photography. But um, tell us some about your music and, and, and what role that plays in your path and your life and, um, and anything you want to say about it. Totally. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, like, you know, being flexible and being open to creativity, like, within, like, we're really, really supportive of creativity um, within the Collegia. We're very supportive of the creative arts. Um, we do everything we can to promote um, each other's work, um, whether it's music, art, um, you know, things like that. So we all kind of have each other's back. Um, and a lot of, you know, it's weird, a lot of initiates, tend to be artistic or they're musicians or artists or, you know, it's kind of an interesting, there's a lot of them. So, you know, that's another thing that I think kind of separates us from other sort of orders. Um, we're really about being fluid and, and letting people be creative and supporting whatever it is they do. Um, cool. Yeah. And for me, like music's always been a, a part of my life. I've been, you know, a guitarist since I was eight and I've been in you know, like a numerous bands and um, you know been recording my whole life and um, 
music to me is for me personally it's like it's 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 such a i don't know it's it's such a strange thing because for me it's not like a book learned thing where like oh i'm gonna learn how to read music today it's like something that just was there from the beginning since i was a child mm-hmm. like i just that's how i expressed myself um so it's always been very powerful for me and i've never stopped and um you know i was in a band um back in when i was living in california called delusia it's kind of a strange name but it's d-e-i-l-u-s-i-a and that that word means like illusion of god you know but it was uh-huh. kind of like hard rock stuff. Um, uh-huh. And currently I'm uh, releasing music um, under the name Immerser, which is I-M-M-E-R-S-E-R. Um, and, yeah, it never stops, man. Like right now I'm working on a new album that should be out probably within a month called Prepare for the Fall. And uh-huh. really kind of... I've been kind of channeling some of the fear that people have been experiencing the last year. Oh, um, wow. And some of the, you know, ecological changes that are going on and things like that. And I'm kind of expressing it through some, some new music and stuff. But yeah, if somebody's interested in music or hard rock, like check it out, you know? Um, also, if you're interested in, if you're interested in the collegia too, like feel free to reach out to me personally on Facebook um, you just search John Logan Parsons the third, and you can message me, and I'll help help you navigate through that process. Um, you can also uh, just go to the website. It's uh, templarcollegia.org. Um, and collegia is kind of a weird word. Some people it's spelled C-O-L-L-E-G-I-A. Um, the website is not. There's not much on the you know the home page because it is you know it's kind of a secretive order so you'd have to be a member to actually access you know what's in the website but on that on the front page it you know it has the email address if you're interested you just shoot us an email so but uh and i would tell people like that's how i got in contact with you as i reached out i reached out to john on facebook he accepted a friend request we've probably got about 100 friends in common but he accepted yeah. the friend request i sent him a message he got right back to me and you know here we are talking so i would definitely encourage people um to do that uh and also you mentioned the website not having much on it which is true uh but there's a lot in the members section i would tell people there's there's a lot of information there and um i'd like to plug timothy hogan's book the way of the templar um because that's a that's a really good one that i think would give people um a, a sense of the spirit of this kind of Templarism. Um, and in the spirit of Manly P. Hall, it's very readable, very approachable. There's a bunch of beautiful pictures and illustrations in it, and it's not, not very expensive. Um, and so people can check that out. And when we post the episode, I'll post a link to uh, the Templar Collegia webpage as well. Awesome. Yeah, we have we have so many amazing authors that are involved in in this work too like it's it's just it's so amazing like just the people that are involved um you know literature is a huge part of this and um yeah 
Yeah, I've got a, I, I want to send you a copy of this book I just finished writing called Visitant of the Heart. It's all about, oh, wow. yeah, it's kind of like a new way of looking at trauma and like how to deal with it. Uh-huh. And uh, I think you would, you would really dig that, man, because you're kind of coming from the same place. So I'm going to, if you, after this, if you want to shoot me an email or something or a text with your mailing address, I'll sure send you a copy. I think you'd like it. I sure it. will. I, I'd really appreciate that. And thanks, John, for coming on tonight. I've loved having you on. I look forward to having you on again. And uh, I'm sure everybody's really digging this, and I'm sure people are going to be reaching out to you after the show comes out. And uh, so thanks for being on, man, and I hope you have a great night and a great rest of your week. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian, for all that you do. Um, I'm really excited to get to know you better and uh, support the things that you're doing. And I really appreciate the opportunity um, to speak with you, man. And I hope that this reaches some people and maybe helps guide them in a direction they want to go. Me too, man. And this will just be the first of uh, many conversations. Great. Fantastic. All right, brother. Have a good night. All right. Bye, Brian. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got a lot out of it. As always, if you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button, like us, share us with your friends. If you have any questions about modern Gnosticism, esoteric Christianity, or any of the topics you hear discussed on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Brian Stanford on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, Send me a message. It might take me a day or two, but I definitely will get back to you. And if you are interested in the things that John was talking about, the Templar Collegia, be sure to reach out, send an email, get an application, apply. Check out John's band, Immerser. They have a Facebook page uh, where you will get announcements of upcoming music releases. And you can find John Logan Parsons III on Facebook as well. And I recommend you reach out to him too. And stay tuned. We should have more exciting interviews coming up in the future. And thanks again for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you.